0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Uh, We're going to be looking at verse 7 through 14, but just for context, I'm going to start in verse 1. Exodus 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, break off the gold earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off their earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly Out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them for themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Father in heaven, Father, I pray that you would now come. You would manifest your glory in this place. Father, like in a few chapters, we will see Moses. And he says, show me your way that I may know you more. He says, show me your glory. And you hid him in the cleft of the rock and passed by and declared your name. And when he came down from the mountain, his face shone with the glory of the Lord. Father, I pray for each and every person in here that they would have an encounter with you today. That when they walk out, their face would shine with the glory of the Lord. Take their eyes off of me. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. May I disappear. May I decrease that you may increase. So would you help me, Father? Would you help me? And would you help everyone in this place to hear this word? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One second. I encourage you today to follow me um, as I go through the scriptures because I may say some things you've never heard before. I may say some things you might even accuse them of sounding heretical. But This is what the Word of God teaches. I'm not here to give my opinion. I'm here to open up the Word of God, if He would help me do so. So today, I'd like to deal with prayer. You know, many times I've wanted to deal with prayer, but I felt like a, a little child walking on the beach of the Atlantic Ocean with every intention of swimming across, only to turn away in shame. So, Lord willing, we'll deal with it today. And not just simply saying your prayers. I I pray that today the Lord would transform how you view, view prayer, transform the answers you get to prayer in your life. So, if you have a bulletin, you'll see this is titled, "Arguing." your case with God. Now, first I must say, when I say arguing, I don't mean contending. I don't mean fighting. If you are going to contend and fight with God, you will not lose. or you will not win rather. See, God is almighty. He's not the most mighty. He's almighty. That means all power is his. That means you and I exist only by his power. He holds your breath in his hands. He created the world with a word. You will not win against God. The only access we have to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And without coming through Him, without trusting in Him, trusting in His righteousness, we have no standing before God. When I say arguing, what do I mean then? Well, it's like a lawyer. You know, consider this. You have two lawyers. One, they've both gone to law school, but one of the lawyers, He's like, well, I've I've gone to law school. Therefore, I mean, by title, I'm a lawyer. So I can go up and I can approach the judge at his bench. So he has a case to bring, but he doesn't spend any time preparing. He's like, I already know it. No time preparing. Someone's hired him, but he just takes it very lightly. He's like, well, I'm a judge. I know. He goes up. He loses the case. He's not prepared. You know, and a lot of times that's how we come to God in prayer. We're like, I have my access through Jesus Christ and I go up to the throne. You're unprepared. You're just, you know, say your prayers, right? However, there is a way of praying, which we see here, that Moses teaches us how we are to argue our case, lay our case before God. You know, like a lawyer, he's gone to law school. He knows the law, but he'll take every case and he'll diligently work through it and study. And he comes prepared. And that's how we want to be when it comes to prayer. You know, there's a man by the name of George Mueller lived in the 1800s, same time as Charles Spurgeon. He, he ran five orphanages and he purposed in him, his heart, not to ask a man for a penny. Ever. And it is said in the English equivalent in the 1800s that he raised about seven million dollars. That's in the 1800s. So, I don't know what that is today. But one thing it is said about him, he would not even make a request to God most of the time until he went to his Bible and he could put his finger on a verse in a promise. Then he would go before the Lord and with his finger on the scriptures and he would argue his case from that scripture. And Lord willing, that's what I would like us to deal with today. So here we have the children of Israel. They've disobeyed God. They've made a molded calf, God is angry. And we come to verse seven. It says and the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They made for themselves a molded calf, and worshiped it and sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Indeed, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. So here we have God actually giving Moses two commands. He says, go get down. He says, let me alone that my wrath may burn against him. god gives moses two commands and god makes him a very generous offer you know what i'm going to make you a great nation i'm going to start up with you moses you know too many times when it comes to prayer we we just accept anything we we know it's from god's hand he's sovereign right i mean ephesians tells us all things he works them all according to the counsel of his will. And we say, therefore, we come to God in prayer. But we see Moses didn't accept this. Moses refused the commands of God to go get down, to leave him alone. Moses refused the offer. He didn't say, well, God, if, if that's your will, you're sovereign. You declare the end from the beginning, you're sovereign. You sit in heaven, do whatever you please. So if this is what pleases you, Okay, I'll get down. I'll leave you alone. Let your wrath burn hot against them. Consume them. Start over with me. But that's not what Moses did. See, when it comes to prayer, I think I believe there's a big misunderstanding. When Jesus says your will be done, a lot of times it's understood like this. Well. God, I desire this, but um, if it's your will, then let it be done. But your will be done is actually saying, God, this is your will. Let it be done. You know, we have Jesus. Yes, he says, let this cup pass from me. He's a man. When Jesus came in the garden, he's a man. Everything in him does not want to drink the cup of the wrath of God for the sins of all his people through all ages. I mean, who would want to? Everything in his flesh does not want to. But he says, nevertheless, your will be done. He isn't saying, this is what I want, but I'll know what your will. He's saying, yes, this my desire, but your will be done. Jesus knew the will of God for him. He was 12 He said, I should be in my father's house. He knew the will of God. How many times did he tell his disciples and say, the son of man must go up. He must be delivered. They're gonna crucify him. He's gonna raise on the third day. He said, it must be fulfilled. He will be numbered with the transgressors, Isaiah 53. Jesus knew the will of God. So that isn't a prayer, God. I mean, this is what I want. I don't know your will. That's a prayer that God, Everything in me does not want to do your will, but empower me to submit to your will. So that's how we pray your will be done. So here Moses, he refuses this. Why? Because he knows the will of God. If we look in verse 11, it says, then Moses pleaded with the Lord. He did not say, God, if that's your will. If that's your will, consume them. If that's your will, make me a great nation. So regardless of how much it was to his advantage, he said, no, God, this is not your will. How many of us would have accepted that? How many of us would have said, okay, God, I'm going to get down. But that's not what happened here. Because he had an immovable conviction of the will of God, and he refused to accept anything other, regardless of how much it was to his advantage. And this is prayer. It's not accepting anything as God's will. It's knowing God's will and praying for God's will to be done. So here, verse 11, says Moses pleaded with the Lord. His God and said, Lord, why does, and pay attention to this, your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. You notice at the beginning in verse seven, God says, go get down for your people whom you brought up out the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. So Moses' conviction of the will of God, he knew, no, these are your people, God. You delivered them from the land of Egypt. And he didn't just bring them out to kill them. He knew he brought them out of the land of Egypt in order to bring them to a place. And as Paul says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And it's the same here. And Moses had that conviction. Therefore, he knew, God, I will not go get down. Yes, God commanded him to go get down. But Moses could refuse and say, no, I will not go and get down. He said, I will refuse your offer. I will not be made a great nation. Why? These are your people. You have already pledged yourself to them. Now, turn to uh, just over a little bit to chapter 33, because Moses speaks of your people again. In chapter 33, verse 13, he says, now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you more and that I may find grace in your sight. And listen, and consider that this nation is your people. Skip down to verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So Moses is like, Look, your people have found grace in your sight. Therefore, I know. Your will isn't to consume them. And I know your will isn't to start over with me because your people have found grace in your sight. You have pledged yourself to your people. Therefore, I will refuse your command. I will refuse your offer because I know that is in your will. Again, not accepting. But there is a bold refusal we see in Moses. Go back to Chapter 32. Now, in verse 11, when it says, and Moses pleaded with the Lord, this word pleaded is very interesting. So, it's used many, many times, over 70 times in our Old Testaments. But only 12 of those times is it translated pleaded or asked or entreat. All of those other times, over 50 times, it is translated sick, weak, to be ill, to be afflicted. And you're like, what, what do those two things, like asking and being weak, afflicted, what do they have to do with each other? Well, I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I think it's this. What, what do you do when you're afflicted? Do you say, God, get me out? No, you plead with the Lord. And so here, Moses, he's afflicted. He is made sick. It's it's like he's sick to his stomach at even the thought that God would act contrary to his will. So he pleads with the Lord. This is for us. He doesn't just say his prayer. He pleads with the Lord. He pleads with the Lord. Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought up out the land of Egypt? with great power and a mighty hand. You know, it wasn't a small thing. God's great power was shown in redeeming his people. And just like with many of us, he's shown his great power. When he redeemed us, when he purchased us, when he gave us life, he showed forth his great power and his mighty hand. And some, perhaps some of you in here, you have been saved, but you're not sure you're going to make it to the end. You will make it to the end, not because of you. You will make it to the end because of God. I mean, these people, they made a motor cap. They should have been consumed. But God said, no, they found grace in my sight. Well, Mm -hmm. Moses said that rather. You have found grace in this sight. You, yes, you, I, we all deserve to be consumed. But if you have put your trust in Christ, trusting in him alone and his righteousness, not your own, you will make it to the end. You will make it to heaven. You will make it to the promised land. Why? Not because of you but because of God. So then we see in verse 12, Moses gives his first argument. We said, this is entitled arguing your case with God. Now Moses gives his arguments. Verse 12, why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them? to kill them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth. So his first argument is with God is with his glory. What about your reputation, God? See, if you read your Bibles, you'll come to this conclusion, God does everything for his glory. If there's anything that's gonna motivate God, it's his own glory. And Moses is like, okay, God, so you'll tell me, you go to the land of Egypt. You turn the water to blood. Okay, you make frogs come up. You make lice. You make flies. You disease their livestock. You cause boils. You, you bring hell and fire. You create darkness. And you separated your people from them in that. While there's darkness in Egypt, they have light. While their livestock is diseased, Israel's are healthy. You did all of that. And now you're going to give the Egyptians the opportunity to say, yeah, he did that, but he he can't preserve his people. What what kind of God is this? He's just as weak as all the other gods. See, God realized he was over his head and he got them out in the wilderness. And he was like, "Okay, I I, I can't do this. I thought I could. I gave it my best try. I can't do this. So I'm just going to kill him. I can at least do that. Moses like, God. Are you going to give the Egyptians the opportunity to say that? This is our first argument with God. You remember how Jesus says, pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It starts with God, starts with his glory. So this should be our first argument with God. Often we pray because of ourselves. We're so self-centered in our prayers. But here we see a God-centered prayer, and that's where our prayer should be. You know, just to make it a little personal, how do you pray for your marriage? You say, oh, God, please fix this marriage. Yes, of course, God hears that prayer, and God will respond to that prayer. But what if you say, God? Would you fix my marriage? Because we are supposed to be representing Christ in the church. And my kids, we're teaching them about you. And they're seeing us blaspheme your name. God, what about your name? God, so come, empower me. Fix us, oh God. Give us love. Fix this marriage for your name's sake. That's how you pray. You can apply that to your marriage, something personal, your finances. You can say, God, your word, it says, seek for us the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to me. I'm, I'm up here. I, I tell everyone that my God takes care of me and they're, they're looking at me. And if they're seeing me suffer financial issues like everyone else in the world, what are they going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your father takes care of you. Yeah. He does a really good job of that. You know, matter of fact, I hate God. Look, I have 10 times as much as you. You're like, God, what about your name? So this Moses first argument, and it should be ours. Verse 13. Oh, before we get there, I didn't mention last line. So after this argument, he says, turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Notice the absence of questions. Now, there's, of course, we'd say, please, God, and ask, and we should ask. But notice that these are actually in the mood of commands. And you're like, do we dare command God? Well, there's a lot that we can deal with, but Here's, you don't have to turn there, but just take it down. Isaiah 45, 11. God says, Ask of me the things concerning my son, concerning the works of my hands. You command me. So, what God is doing, now that's of course not saying you can boss God around. That is saying, God is saying, I have. Made a promise. I will perform my promise, but I'll do it at your command, at your bold prayers to me. So Moses, knowing the will of God, now he can't just come and boldly say these things just for anything. But he knew he had an immovable conviction of the will of God. Therefore, he could go to God and say, God, yes, you told me to leave you alone. You told me to go get down. No, God, I will not turn from your fierce anger and your wrath against your people. And the same way when we pray. Yes, it must be done from humility. Yes, it must be done from recognizing who God is. He is holy. He's surrounded by burning spirits which could probably consume the world in a breath. Because when they just open their mouth, even the heavens shake and the heavens fill with smoke. That's your God. But through Jesus Christ, we can approach him. And knowing his will, With the boldness we see here in Moses, we can humbly command God to fulfill his word. And then we have a second argument here, verse 13. He says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, again, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. And said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the first argument, the glory of God. The second argument, the word of God, the promise of God, is like God. You have made a promise to your people. If you consume them, God, you are not faithful to your word. You're going back on your word. And God will not do that. Amen. You know, I mentioned before the promise seek for us the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You can take that promise before God. You have issues with financial provision. Maybe your business, maybe your job, maybe you lost a job. Use the promises of God. That's why we need to know our Bibles. Your prayers will be as good as your knowledge of the word of God. You need to know his promises and take them before him. You can say, God, you have promised that you will meet all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Know the promises of God and argue the promises of God, because God responds to his own word. And with the little time I have left, I want you to turn to Numbers 14. Just two books over. So here we have Israel. They've come all the way up to the promised land now. But they don't enter. Yeah, some spies went in, but they don't enter. Why? Well, 10 out of 12 of the spies, 10 came back, said, huh, we can't take this land. There's no way. They've seen the power of God, but they're like, oh, there's no way. There's giants in the land. They're going to consume us. No, we can't do this. Yet, two believed, and they're the only two out of all of the millions that went to the promised land. Two believed. But they all turn away from God. And certainly now Moses is like, okay, God, I've had enough of these people. But look at verse 11, Numbers 14, 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I performed among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them It's almost like God's anger has been building. First, he just said, I'll consume them. Now he's getting more detail. I'll strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Again, we see an increase. It's not just I'll make of you a a great nation. It's I'll make you greater and mightier than they. So Moses says, okay, God, well, I've had enough of them. So You know, if it's your will, that's not what we see. Verse 13, and Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it, the glory of God again. For by your might, you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which you have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because... Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. So it's like the Lord increases in his anger and increases giving a greater offer to Moses. And Moses increases in his argument for his glory. He goes beyond the Egyptians. He says, yeah, the Egyptians and all the nations that have heard of you. This is what they'll say. But we see a third argument. So he's argued for the glory of God. We've seen he's argued according to the word of God. And now, verse 17, and now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of these people. Again, very bold. Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you've forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So now we see a third argument that Moses is arguing based off the character of God. See, you must know your God. And as you know your God and you know his character. You can sense when something isn't according to the character of God. And you should pray based off of that. You pray arguing the glory of God. You pray arguing the word of God. You pray arguing the character of God. And this is how we pray. But there may be some in here. Indeed, you're Christians. But you can't argue your case with God. And that's because scripture clearly tells us, Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: 18, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Now, this isn't the psalmist speaking about the unbeliever. He's speaking about himself. This is a man, a Christian man, carried along by the Holy Spirit. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So indeed, you may be Christian, but are you regarding iniquity in your heart? What does it mean to regard iniquity? Well, to put it simply, I know God says this is sin, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm. This is how I am. I'm gonna continue in it. That that's how I am. I mean, I can't. I've been struggling with this for years. This is how I am. This how it's gonna be. That's what it means to regard iniquity in your heart. Solomon tells us, Proverbs 28.9, if you turn your ear from hearing the law, even your prayer is an abomination. You're like, what? A Christian's prayer can be an abomination, Some God hates? Yes. If that Christian says, I know the word of God says this, but I'm not doing it. I'm going this way. God has says, you will not hear me, I will not hear you. Let's get specific. Husbands, Peter tells us that if you don't dwell with your wife in an understanding way, honoring your wife, then your prayers will be hindered. So husbands, I include myself. You want God not to hear your prayers, not to answer your prayers? Don't live with your wife as you are. Don't love her as Christ has loved the church. And that's a sure way for your prayers not to be heard, not to be answered. You can say, well, I've been praying for this marriage. I'm laying out my arguments for the glory of God, by the word of God, the character of God. I'm doing all that, but it seems God didn't answer in my prayers. Well, how are you living with her? How am I living with my wife? So if that's anyone in this room today, God is not hardened against you. God isn't like, I'm upset with you. And, you know, that's how it's going to be the rest of your life. I'm not hearing your prayers. No, God wants to hear your prayers. God delights to hear your prayers. He wants to answer your prayers. He's just waiting for you to turn to Him, turn from your sin. I mean, really, whatever that sin is, is it worth just losing that intimate fellowship with your Father? Is it worth just Cutting off your lifeline to him? Prayer is the lifeline of a Christian. Because without him, we can do nothing. Is it worth it? Turn from your sin. Turn to God. Again, return to him. Now, perhaps there are some in here that you can't argue your case with God, and it's not because you're a Christian and you've chosen your sin, but it's because you've never come to God in the first place. The first case you can say you need to argue with God is you need to call upon his name. In Isaiah 59, he says, "'The Lord's hand is not short that it cannot say, "'nor is his ear deaf that he cannot hear.'" Perhaps you're saying, Man, I'm, I'm trying to become a Christian, but it, it's like I've fallen off the side of a boat and God's reaching down, but his, his arms aren't long enough. His, his hand isn't long enough to save me. And he, he's just not hearing me. No. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And again, that's his word. We're talking about arguing your case with God. Argue that with him. Say, God, this is what you said. God, you said, he who comes to you, you will by no means cast out. Mm -hmm. Argue that case with God? And you say, God, I know I cannot change my own heart. I know I love my sin. I mean, I'm only here listening to the word of God. I'm only here in church because my parents make me come. I much rather be somewhere else. And just like the Israelites we saw, you've corrupted yourself. You've turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord has commanded you. And you say, well, at least I haven't made a mother calf. Well, maybe not. You are that calf. You say, I'm God. I'm God in my life. I do what I want. I rule my life. It's about me. If you're going to worship someone, worship me. Turn from that. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary. Are you weary by your sins? How's it working out for you? Come to me. Come to Jesus Christ. He says, I'm meek. I'm gentle. I am lowly of heart. You're not going to come to him and he's going to say, well, you've sinned one too many times. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. He's not, you aren't going to come to him and he's going to be like, well, if you would have come to me a week ago, but um, considering this last week, um, I have to think about this. No, that's not going to happen. He says, come to me. How do you come to Jesus Christ? You come to him through his word. You come to him and humility realizing that you are a sinner you are completely destitute you deserve to go to hell you have no hope in and of yourself the only hope is his son which he sent to suffer the wrath which you deserve Amen. he suffered the wrath he rose on the third day and he can He will clothe you in his righteousness. And that's the only way you can stand before God. That is your only hope. There is nothing more important than Jesus Christ. You know, there's Jesus tells a parable about a man and he finds a treasure in the field. And after he finds that treasure and sees its value and worth, he sells everything to Purchase that field, you know. Perhaps that man has walked by that field maybe a hundred times in his life and he saw nothing but some grass and some flowers. It's like, huh, what's, what's valuable about that field? And maybe that's how you feel about everything that has to do with Christ. You're like, huh, Bible, it's just a book, prayer, huh, what's that? I'm speaking to some imaginary God, he's never done anything for me. I mean, going to church is it's like it's just like a spiritual football game. They go and they worship someone. That's how you see it. But when you see the worth, the value of Christ. Who shed his precious blood on your behalf. That all changes. You say, well. I don't see how that can happen. Well, you don't need to see how that can happen. You don't need to understand how that can happen. You need to come to him. And he will give you a new heart. He will give you a new spirit. So if you have not come to Christ, or if you have and you're regarding iniquity in your heart, you're turning your ear from his law. Repent, turn from that this morning and you will be in the position to argue your case with God and receive his great and precious promises receive answers to prayer like you've never even known God's answer prayers that I didn't I didn't even think would be possible Amen. and he will do the same for you that's not because of me that's because of my God. And he's the same God to all who come to him through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Father. Father God, I I know that even the best that I can do as far as preaching and teaching. It's all stained by my sin, by my imperfections. But it is a glorious thing that you can take. Even what's stained and even saturated by sins and imperfections and you can use it to your glory. Father, just like Moses. Father, what will they say? Father, we go by the name of 116 Bible Church, the power of the gospel. What will the people say? Oh, some powerful gospel. You just preached the gospel and nothing happened. Shall you allow the people to say that about you, about your word, about your gospel? Do not permit that, Father. I pray, Father, that each and every person in here, rather they came in converted, rather they came in unconverted, rather they came in converted, but living in their sin, whatever their case, whatever they they need to come to you in prayer about, whatever it is, Father. I pray that their prayer life would be transformed forever and that we would even gather together and we would make, lay our case out before God. For in your word, you say, when two of you on earth agree concerning anything, it will be done for where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst. Father, this is telling us that the more people that agree in prayer, the more you will respond. So may we not only increase in our personal prayers, but may we gather, may we pray, may we lay out our arguments before you to see your great power. Father, give no one an opportunity to say, see, we prayed in vain. See, God doesn't really answer prayer. Give no one that opportunity, but would you come and would you do a mighty work in each and every life in here and a mighty work in this church?